Annie F. Downs in her book, Let's All Be Brave, said, I believe in the me God made and in the me God can make. I believe he made me on purpose and didn't make any mistakes when it came to my creation. I believe he is doing a good work in me and in you, and that though I am flawed, God is loving me and refining me and reminding me that God in me is where I can place my trust, and that is the place where I find my courage. Welcome to the Tweets and Tonic Podcast. I'm your host, Mandy. Political hot topics are intertwined in every aspect of our lives, from your streaming channels to your favorite sports teams and even in your pulpits. If you are looking for a cultural commentary on those infamous 280 characters brought to you by the Little Blue Bird, pour yourself a drink because this is the podcast for you. The way our show works is that we will take 10 tweets and break them down with a guest every week and share our thoughts and opinions. All right, kicking off episode seven with Laura Carlson. Laura is a Jesus lover, a recovering Southern Baptist, a college football fanatic. (laughs) Roll Tide. Yes, I just threw up in my mouth. Enneagram seven and always looking for a party. You'll hear her laugh before you see her. Make sure you stay tuned to the end of this episode for an exciting announcement. Kicking off this episode, I just want to apologize. Sound like poop, a little under the weather. Laura's got a cough. We're a mess, but we're happy to be here with y'all. So here we go. Okay, at number 10, Melinda Doolittle tweeted, Harmonies make me happy. Specifically, great harmonies make me happy. Needed to clarify, LOL. Lady Annabellum, loud. Those voices alone are amazing, and together they are a force. Also, Halsey's tone is incredibly soothing. Wow, that combo was fabulous. Hashtag CMA Awards. Now, I believe, did you watch the CMA Awards? I for sure watched the CMA Awards. All right, give me your thoughts. Um, I loved the whole thing. Uh, on this specifically... I am such a fan of harmonies, good harmonies, and I went back and listened to it um, today. There, I don't know of another vocal group that has as tight harmonies as Lady A does. Mm-hmm. Like they are so tight is the only like definition I can come up for it. They are so close together. And blend prettier than anything the ears have ever heard. <laughs> yes, I agree. I love Lady A. Um, I thought Halsey was incredible. The thing I love about the CMA Awards is how they always do these mashups mm-hmm. with kind of the pop or mainstream with the country. Like, was it last year or the year before when Chris Stapleton and Justin Timberlake? Yes. Yeah. No. And even this year with Chris Stapleton and Pink, oh my gosh, it was so good. Yeah. What other acts did you like from the show this year? I was a big, I mean, I was, Reba was killer, because she's Reba. Oh yeah, yeah. I loved Dolly Parton with, oh shoot, um, for King and Country, mm-hmm. and then um, Zach Williams. I yeah. loved that they put that that together yeah I uh well yeah Reba I I don't even know if that's needs to be talked about because it's just like that's always going to be the she's Reba Uh, she only needs one name 
You don't have to talk about her. When the outfit changes, just everything uh-huh. is so epic. But um, yeah, I loved the Dollywood for King Country. I also love the beginning of the show when they had all the different female singers and yeah, uh, you know, brought yeah. out some of the older ones. Um, I really, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. But speaking of Dolly, uh, Amanda Mole tweeted, sorry for basically live tweeting a podcast, but Dolly Parton wrote Jolene and I will always love you in the same night. Mm-mm. And her explanation of it was just, well, we had moved into a new house and it had a nice fireplace and I liked sitting in front of it. So she just wrote two of the greatest songs of all time. Only Dolly. <laughs> Only Dolly. Um, I, I can't even fathom that. I can't fathom writing one <laughs> song that was worthy of other people singing. In a night. <laughs> exactly. there, there is something to be said for letting something inspire you and actually doing something with it. And Dolly right. just went all in with a cozy fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> She apparently loves fall the way I do, so that, that seems I'm here for that. I'm here for that. Um, also, on the music front, uh, there is a rapper by the name of Propaganda. And at number eight, he tweeted this past week, Am I the first rapper to name his Enneagram <laughs> number in a song? So this is obviously in reference to Prop's song with Derek Minor called Contradiction. Mm-hmm. And he says in there, in my excuse is I'm a three with a two wing. Um, I know you're into the Enneagram yeah. as well. I have a lot of thoughts um, on this one. All right, let's hear it. So it was super interesting to me because it feels like, it kind of feels like it's being casually thrown out. But I also wonder if he's making another point in this. If you go down the Enneagram rabbit hole, Oftentimes, anybody that's into the Enneagram uses that as an excuse for their behavior. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a jerk, but I'm just an eight. But if you like, if you look at it correctly, if you look at the Enneagram correctly, it's a tool for growth. It's not a tool for an excuse for how we live. So I mm-hmm. almost like I took that even like further into if you take it through to Christianity and how many times do we use our Christianity as a blanket for a covering of like, we blame God for a lot of the things we do. Like I quit my job because it was a toxic work environment or right. um, my God told me to break up with my boyfriend. Like mm-hmm. it's almost like the Enneagram is a new band aid for this is just the way I am. Mm-hmm. So that's, That's kind of the rabbit trail I took it on. Yeah. And, you know, I thought it was interesting because even in the verse of that song, he talks a little bit of, you know, the different mood swings, basically. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, and he said, you know, then over something silly, I'll probably lose my cool. And my excuse is I'm a three with a two wing. And I think you're right. I think when we start using everything as an excuse, as opposed to like what helps us grow, that's when we... Not that I don't love the song and I love propaganda, but I definitely think that it actually kind of just shows what people are doing with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And speaking of complicated personalities, (laughs) (laughs) uh, there is one uh, Taylor Swift. I don't know if you've heard of her. Um, It sounds familiar. 
she has a really epically long tweet that I'm going to kind of listen. This is yeah. this is not a tweet. This is a blog post. I know. I was like, <laughs> only Taylor Swift could really take the 280 characters to like the extreme. Right. But um, I was like, did we? How? How? How do you get it to off? Taylor Swift can get it to off it. You oh, go, girl. So, um, I'm going to kind of summarize parts and read parts yeah. because, like I said, it's super long. But she said, guys, it's been announced recently that the American Music Awards will be honoring me with the Artist of the Decade Award at this year's ceremony. I have a thought on that, too. I remember growing up as a kid and you would hear, um, you know, so-and-so is being honored for the Artist of the Decade. Yeah. And it was people like George Strait oh. and people that were much older than I oh. was. But, okay. Yes, okay, that have been correct. doing music for, like, that crossed generations. Yeah, but okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll keep going. Okay, T-Swift. Um, okay, so I'm planning to perform a medley of my hits throughout the decade of this show. But Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun have now said that I'm not allowed to perform my old songs on television because they claim that would be re-recording my music before I'm allowed to next year. So, quick interruption for the backstory. Yeah, no, I need the backstory here. (laughs) So, her group that owned all of her music, Mm -hmm. the Carlisle Group, sold basically their business to Scooter, who represents people like the Beebs. Okay. And they own her music now. And she has a clause that she can re-record it uh, sometime next year, I think once one year has been uh, up. And that's her plan is to re-record all of her music because she wants to own all of her music. November which... of 2020 is what it says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Insane. So, but anyway, so that's the backstory. We'll keep going here. So also, she didn't want to tell us this way. I don't know if she was planning to like send me a postcard or what, but <laughs> she said that she was planning a different way to tell me this, but Netflix has also created a documentary about her life over the past few years now okay um scott and scooter have declined the use of her older music or performance footage for this project even though there is no mention of either of them or big machine records anywhere in the film scott Burchetta told her team that she's got to do a few things she's got to agree not to re-record or copycat versions of her songs Mm -hmm. And she's got to stop talking about him and Scooter. Now, she says she feels very strongly about this. And she wants to help change and raise the level of awareness for other artists. So they don't have a similar fate. Now, you're into music. I am. Um, how, do you, how do you feel about this? I, I don't understand all the ins and outs of how the music industry actually works. So I'll preface mm-hmm. it with my ignorance. There is a part of me that if if these two guys bought basically like bought these people's music from this other management company it sounds like um it just, it feels like good business to, those are Taylor's songs. She did write those songs. I don't understand why they would keep her from 
recording them in any fashion. Um, and I even, like, I don't know what her tour schedule looks like, but, like, if she can't perform at the AMA, can she do a tour and not do yeah. any of her old songs? Because I don't care whose concert I'm going to. I want to hear your old stuff. I don't want to hear what you just, like, dropped on your new album or whatnot. I want to hear the stuff I've been listening to for the last five, ten years. Yep. So, does does this apply to her tour and doing any old song on any of her tour until November of next year? Um. And I know, like, I feel like I'm really simplifying it. And I know that there's so many more layers to the music industry and to this even specific situation. But from my mindset, it just feels like good business practice to why wouldn't you try and make accommodations? Why wouldn't you try and work together to make this a good relationship? Because this is Taylor Swift. Because she does have a great following, you don't want her bashing you to the rest of the music industry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, here's the thing. <clears throat> I get why Scooter and Scott kind of sound like the bad guys in this situation. Like they're holding her music hostage. Yeah. I can see that point of view. Now I have seen some people trying to turn this into like a women's empowerment thing. I think that's a bit of a stretch. Um, but it's because a, I think yeah, it's an easy yeah yeah. I think that that's trying to kind of build hype around this. But you know, one of the things I thought too, I get she's angry, mm -hmm. and who wouldn't be? Mm -hmm. But I think she's also lashing out a bit about her own mistakes with the Carlisle Group. They should have never owned her music. She always should have. Yeah. This is not a Scooter and Scott issue. This is a Taylor issue. Mm -hmm. Now, they're making a killing off of it, sure. Mm -hmm. But all along, she should have owned it. Yeah. And so I think now lashing out at them and, you know, she's trying to get everybody to side with her. And, of course, Selena Gomez has, of course. Yeah. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, this is business. Mm -hmm. And I just don't, I don't know how this will play out. But knowing T-Swift, she'll have, like, 14 records she wrote with her <laughs> kindergarten. <laughs> And she'll just put all those out instead. And we'll right. Uh, you know. Uh -huh. um, speaking of a little pop culture, um, we have some friends on a popcast podcast named Jamie B. Golden and Knox McCoy. BFF and, status. Um, Jamie tweeted this week uh, about something a little controversial. Um, she tweeted, the internet is full of hot takes on John Christ. But only Knox McCoy wrote one that combined Moana, Thomas Kincaid, and the Plantagenets. Now, a couple things for the listeners. If you don't know John Christ, he's a comedian who recently has faced some, we'll go with backlash, about his personal behavior. And if you don't know who, what Moana is, you need to turn on your Disney channel your Disney plus app and uh, Thomas Kincaid is a painter artist. Of that, light. Um, 
every Southern Baptist church in America is full of his paintings. I have a big one in my house. <laughs> okay, okay. As we're covering Southern Baptist, that makes this sense. Is, that's right. This is where we're at. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, I know you happen to have some thoughts and opinions on this John Chris situation. So, let's hear it. I have a couple. So, here I will take, um, I'm going to take two quotes. So, at the end of Jamie's tweet, she linked Knox's uh, post that he put up about this. Mm-hmm. Two of his quotes. The first one, he said, so when someone comes along, John Christ, and makes this closed loop system, which he's talking about the whole Christian culture and just refers to it as a closed loop in the sense that everybody in the loop stays inside the loop and just we make music for people inside the loop. We write books for people inside the loop. We do comedy for people inside movies like you get the idea like Mm -hmm. everything stays in this closed loop system he said so when somebody comes along like john christ and makes this closed loop system seem fresh and new and legitimate that's incredibly intoxicating Mm -hmm. so there's you know kind of his hit for this is how this guy has gotten fame so quickly which he has been around for several years Mm -hmm. but it does seem like and I think even more with social media has like upped his views and everything else um the next quote that I have from him he said Christian celebrities are always going to be a complicated proposition because their intersection with our own individual faiths will always be superficial because the process of working out our beliefs and faith involves a lot of internal peace and strife, a lot of overlap between our experiences and our aspirations, and a lot of reconciling who we've been, who we are, and who we want to be. And I think that sticks out to me because it depends on where we're at in our journey, in our Christian faith. Mm-hmm. For how, when a famous Christian comes into our life, how that affects us, be it a John Christ, be it a pastor, be it an author, where we're at in our, in our journey affects that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for this, like I have been raised in the church for a lot of years, uh, have been a believer. So when a famous Christian messes up. I'm disappointed and I always wish that we could do better, but it doesn't mess up my faith. Right. Somebody who's still on the on-ramp to Christianity may go to the shoulder because they see a John Chris or a famous pastor go off the rails. Yep. And so I think that that's kind of the tension you have with this with John was somebody who he crossed cultural lines in a way that not many people in the Christian community have. There are some great ones in our generation that have done that. Not many have, and not many in the way that he has. His comedy can be in a church. It can be in a bar. It can be at a nightclub. It can be at a comedy club. Like it, it goes everywhere. And so I think when something like this happens and he has this allegations against him or whatnot, of course you've got 
the Christian army rising up because we're the only army that will shoot our wounded. Right. Yeah. But the, but then you've also got this whole other side of it where the world is saying, see, every Christian's like this. Yeah. Like, like just goes ahead and puts a blanket on it. And, you know, it was just in time, you know, of course, something like this was going to happen and you can't, I feel like we can't do anything to speak into the balance of that other than just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep being genuine. And I don't, and maybe I'm wrong on that, but I just feel like. No, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think that, um, yeah, I've had a lot of thoughts about this too. And if you're listening and you're not completely sure what's happened with John Christ, I mean, clearly Google is your friend. But yeah. A Google search will tell you more than you ever. <laughs> yeah. Ever could no, dream. Um, having read some of the articles, um, I had a couple of thoughts. One of the things you said too really hits on this, that we are the only army that will shoot our wounded. And I thought mm. how quick were people of the same faith, the Christian faith to get on their Twitter and their, their Instagram and their Facebook and judge him. Oh, and I'm yes. not in any way dismissing his behavior. But what I am saying is, my gosh, like with friends like that, who needs enemies, you know? <laughs> and I thought, well, if I'm on the outside world and I'm not raised in the church like we were, yeah. and this is all new to me or I don't even know what it is, I can tell you it sure doesn't seem appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I need is somebody else judging me for being human. Um, right. Right. I thought that. I did... Um. You know, sure, I was disappointed to read, you know, he um, had some made, made some poor choices, but I was also really disappointed um, in the other leadership around him. Um, this apparently is something that people had known for a while or, you know, there had been rumors mm-hmm. or, you know, rumblings about it. I was a little disappointed to see those people completely silent. Um, not that I wanted them to get online and bash him because right. uh, the rest of the Christian church was taking care of that for them. Mm. But really, I just didn't see, I just saw complete silence. And I thought that that was really deafening, actually. Like, I really yeah. thought, where where are these people? I hope yeah. that they're calling him on a personal level, reaching out yeah. to him, praying for him. Uh, spending time with him, you know, things like that. I really hope that's happening. And, you know, for the people that have been affected by the decisions he's made who were a part of it, you know, I hope that this isn't something that forces them completely away from um, from Jesus because mm-hmm. he's a lot better than John Christ. But, um, yeah. you know, I hope it doesn't push them away. But I do think, um, I hope it does cause some self-reflection too. And even in our own lives, that we're not something that's going to help destroy somebody else's life either, you know? Yeah. And I think too, this is, we get the benefit of something that John will never have again. And that is we get to make our mistakes in secret. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't have, no one is writing a blog post when I mess up. Yep. Nobody is writing, you know, nobody's blasting, screenshots of tweets that I've uh tweets that I've put out there or text messages that I've sent or things that you know I may have said out of anger 
in the last month or in the last seven years of my life. Yeah. Nobody's putting that out there. And so I think it's, yes, John Christ had a bigger stage than I have. But as a believer, we have the same responsibility that John does. Yep. So I think it's important to, if we want to, you know, stand in the seat of judgment, which I don't. Right. But, like, I don't want to judge him because I don't want somebody to look at my life as closely as we're looking at his. Yeah. And we all need accountability. We all need to have fail safes in place so that we don't fall, but we Mm -hmm. still will. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I've thought a lot about that with Kanye as well, obviously. Yes. Sunday service, the new album, all that. You know, these are all, you know, he's a new believer and yet we're, we've got him on blast. Does he do it right? Does Mm -hmm. he say the right things? Does he, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I guess we've really lost track as a society and, a faith that all of our sins are equal <laughs> and yes we yeah. all are sinners like i i'm not perfect i know i seem like it but um i'm actually not and um you know i I'm have, leave it alone i'm just well, gonna leave it alone <laughs> well i mean i know you wouldn't argue but um, <laughs> i just think that like we really we need to be the church and yeah not condemning other members yeah but speaking of the church and drama come on with it and come on with it oh lord pull up another pull up a stool grab another drink Uh Uh, Uh julie royce tweeted this week um an article that she had written for the christian post and said female quote sensibilities like quote compassion mercy and kindness make women quote susceptible to deception question mark no sir they make us human what you are espousing is not masculinity or complementarianism it's misogyny and it's grotesque this is in reference to the john macarthur beth moore situation if you don't know john macarthur is a evangelical leader and has been for 380 years i think and Beth Moore is a Christian writer and speaker and somebody that has mentored at a distance a lot of women. Mm -hmm. Recently, John was asked his thoughts on Beth Moore and he said, go home. He does not feel that women should be speaking in churches. He does not feel they should do anything but be submissive. So this was Julie's kind of article and quote towards him and something he said. Um, you were raised in the church. You were raised by a minister. What do you think about this? <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts and I'm also still speechless okay. because it makes me, it makes me sad that I belong to a church culture where a man would be given the platform to say this about anyone, but about a woman. Mm. Um, And that's not for a women's rights movement. That's not, that is just, how can you be a Christian man and stand on a stage and say 
for what Beth Moore, I truly believe what she is doing what God has created her to do. And she is broken and imperfect and has not hidden that. And, um, I don't, I don't think that a woman should have authority over man. And I believe the Bible is clear on that, but I do think that women have a place in leadership and have a place in church leadership. And I think in a culture where women still are fighting for the same rights and the same pay as men, that the church should be leading the charge and what this looks like. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what Jesus did. I feel like he gave, he gave a voice to women. He saw them. And that's not, I also don't want to bash the whole male because of what John MacArthur said, because I don't want a man to pick a female and bash me because of what they said, whether I agree with them or not. So I want to be careful with that. Um, I did just do a search on some commentaries and what, um, what they had to say about, so the specific scripture he pulled out was first Corinthians or that she had quoted, he had said in his Sunday sermon. Um, and then she quoted it in this article that was first Corinthians 1434. And it just, I thought I had it in front of me, but I don't, but it was basically that women are to be silent mm-hmm. yeah. and if you have something to say, go to your husband which is adorable if you don't have yeah, one. Yeah. Um, so that's, a, that's a nice law to abide by. Um, I just, in, in reading through the commentaries, the more I read, the more it was coming out that the women weren't allowed to ask questions in the church. Mm-hmm. And I could like any of my pastor friends that do listen to this can totally correct me. Um, They weren't allowed to ask questions. If they had questions, that's what they were to take to their husband. If anyone that had a revelation and the beginning of this chapter talked all about speaking in tongues and prophesying. And so it was, if anyone does have a revelation, if anyone does have a prophecy, that person is to speak up. And it did not say only the man. It said, if anyone has a prophecy, they are to share it with the church. And I feel like I don't, I feel like Beth Moore doesn't write a Bible study if she doesn't have a new revelation about what, what a certain chunk of scripture means. I don't want to listen to anyone speak if they're not going to show me something new in scripture. Like if God has not revealed something new to you, I don't really want you to get up on stage on a Sunday and just kind of BS your way through right. a sermon. Yeah. Like what, what good are you in that sense? So that was kind of the mumbo jumbo of what I got 
from all of yeah, this. Yeah, I, um, you know, there's been a lot that's come out about, you know, different things that he said, different, you know, he said this at a conference and then he did an entire sermon on the issue. Right, right. I'm glad I don't go to his church. Um, Say it again. (laughs) Shout out to good pastors. To ones who are not intimidated by women, too. Um, I wanted to Mm -hmm. read actually what Beth Moore tweeted, though. Um, She said, Here's the beautiful thing about it, and I mean this with absolute respect. You don't have to let me serve you, that gets to be your choice. Whether I or not I serve Jesus mm-hmm. is not up to you. Whether I serve you certainly is. One way or the other, I esteem you as my sibling in Christ. And I thought, well, leave it to her mm-hmm. to, to be the bigger person. Right? Listen, um, come on with it, Beth. On the note of, or on the, on the topic of church, um, and for background, you and I both grew up in Southern Baptist churches, so we know a little bit about that life. But um, Caitlin Curtis, mm-hmm. maybe, tweeted, those who grew up evangelical, do you ever think about writing letters of apology to all the people you kept witnessing to again and again <laughs> at the cost of a real relationship? A note that says, sorry, I was in a cult and saw people as products and not real people. Just me? So, first of all, just to, like, clear the air for the legalists among us, we are not calling the Christian faith a cult. Uh, but if you grew no, up no, we're in not. a church <laughs> and you went to, like, a Hot Hearts <coughs> conference with your True Love Wait Bible Mm-mm. right Mm-mm. after you kissed dating goodbye, mm-hmm. you did probably, uh-huh. while listening to Point of Grace, witness to a lot of people over and over again because you had to have so many people coming with you to church on Wednesday night. Um, does mm. was this what your upbringing was like, or just just my first Baptist church? It not not so much. It was it was preached. It was not. I did not feel the the pressure to witness okay. to the person checking me out at Walmart. Um, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> I mean, we're not going there. Um, I will, I will say I have made the comment to a couple of friends that I have now. Of, I've just told them through conversation and we're good friends. We're not just like, I just met them and whatever. But I've said, if we would have met when I was in high school or middle school or even fresh out of high school, maybe, we would not have been friends. And that is just in a sense of I was probably, and I'm still recovering legalistic and very much, you know, if you cussed, if you smoke, if you drank, you were for sure going to hell and I was for sure not allowed to hang out with you. And the older I've gotten, the more life I have gone through, the more situations life has put me through. Um, I've grown and seen the world around me and seen people who are hurting that are humans with issues and they're not our project. 
I think that's been the biggest shift in mindset for me, maybe, of just, we're not just trying to get people to heaven. And Bob Goff even says, and I'm pretty sure it's in Everybody Always, but it's not our job to save people. Jesus already did. He told us to go love them. And I really think at its core, that that is what we're called to do as Christians. And it looks different to different people and at different stages of our life. But if it quits looking like yep. love, it doesn't look like Jesus anymore. Yep. Um, speaking of things looking like love or not, um, Laura Tremaine uh, tweeted, reading Martin Luther King Jr.'s religious stuff for the first time. I can't believe we didn't study this in church growing up. What grace and holiness the white Western church has lost through our relentless racism. I don't know how old Laura Tremaine is, but I would guess she's probably in her 40s. But um, I thought this was really interesting. And um, I mean, in full disclosure, we're both two white women. <laughs> and um, We were raised in the South. And um, I personally, we did not study Martin Luther King Jr.'s teach teachings at my church. Um at all. I mean, I knew who he was, obviously, and I knew his speeches, but I knew that from school, definitely not from church. Um, what do you think about this in today's world? Man, I will say this. I'll echo what you just said about just not really hearing much about him growing up or really being educated on who he was, what he did for our culture. Um, I had a conversation with a friend a few weeks ago who was raised very much like I was, and he threw out the phrase accidental racism. And I think that's what the generation or generations above us had. And I don't know that it was intentional. It just happened. And I will say, I feel like we're all doing the best we can with the Mm -hmm. information we have. Our generation has a lot of information that the generations before us didn't. Um, It seems like racism is spoken about much more in our generation, the millennials, than any before. This is also the main generation I know, so I could be wrong on that statement. We don't know what we don't know. We have the internet now. We have resources in our pocket with more information than our parents could have dreamed up questions for. The phrase Google it comes out in every conversation because within seconds we can have an answer to anything we can form a question about. In in that pocket, racism is being talked about more because there's a lane for it. There's information out about how racism is not gone, how it is still happening daily. It's still alive and well. In some cases we're better, in some were worse but when you know better you do better yeah you know I was thinking um and in other full disclosure if you listen to this podcast you already know this that I am married to a black man and I was thinking back to my upbringing I grew up in a southern Baptist church and I never once sat under the teaching or preaching of a black minister 
And I thought that was interesting mm-hmm. thinking back to it. Now I have, when we lived in Houston, we went to an amazing church called Ecclesia that has just phenomenal preachers of every shade and gender and just everything. Um, but I, yeah. I have learned, the thing I've learned since being married to my husband is something that really bothers me about this is that you hear a lot of times about white preachers or even white politicians or, you know, they go pander to the black churches and they talk about how much they hate racism, but you don't see or mm. hear them doing that in white, predominantly white churches. Um, for the most part, now listen, there, there are, there yeah. are good people everywhere, but yeah, I, that's something I've noticed is that I, and thought back to my upbringing, I don't remember ever talking about it in church and it can be mm-hmm. uncomfortable you know, obviously for a white guy to get up and talk about racism seems a little off, but you know, your heart shows through in what you're saying and your actions speak louder. And I just think that's interesting. Um, and we can do so much better. We always can, you know? Yeah. And I, I think too, the statement ignorance is bliss comes to mind because I think, you know, the podcast I listened to this morning, I mentioned to you of just the conversation of, can we get back to a world where we feel safe and comfortable Mm -hmm. anymore? And I don't think it was said in this podcast. I don't think we can. We just know too much now. There's, there is no going back because we know too much. Because we know what's out there and we know what we, we as the collective big C church know too much. And I feel like we will be judged with how we handle, how we handle this issue. Because honestly, I mean, I'll throw this out there. I was watching some Kanye West at Joel Osteen's church last night. Which is like an alternate universe thought. Oh, right? How did we get here? How did this happen? I don't, but come on with it. Come on with it. (laughs) But I just, like in watching that, I truly, I could cry thinking about it, but I just thought I was like, if we think that this is not part of what heaven looks like too. Yeah. We are going to be so disappointed when we get there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, if we just think that I love my church, it is an awesome church. It's not what heaven looks like either. Yeah. And I think we're just, man, we would be wise to to wake up and really, really dive into what what it looks like and what the big C church looks like. Cause it's not a bunch, it's not a bunch of white people that look and act and talk and sing like we do. Yeah. You know, I, I'm reminded of the scripture of to whom much is given much is expected, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think in our generation, we have more knowledge, more information, more access, more, more, just more and more, you more. know? Mm-hmm. And what we do with that, I think is what we will leave as our legacy it won't yeah. be the companies we build, the families we raise. It won't be any of the that. businesses we start. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that can be heavy or you can just live like Jesus. <laughs> you know, mm. if you approach yeah. every decision with 
this is hard, this is a big decision, you're going to fall, you're going to struggle. But if you just decide to live in love the way Jesus did, it makes it all mm-hmm. so much easier. Yeah. Um, speaking of Jesus and <laughs> all of that, <laughs> um, at number two, Eleni Sabald tweeted, prayer is effective and prayer has power, but we don't get to decide what those things mean. And that is a quote from Amanda Bible Williams, who was on Annie F. Downs podcast. That sounds fun. Uh, last week, talking about Advent, Amanda is one of the um, leaders, owners of She Reads Truth, um, who's herself had a year that would cripple most. Um, mm-hmm. She has a little boy named Toby who was born with a congenital heart defect that she adopted. And countless times this year he's almost not made it but she says it's still effective prayer's still powerful we just don't get to decide what that means what does that mean to you yeah i prayer changes things period it oftentimes i'm learning does not change the situation sometimes it changes our hearts sometimes it changes our prayer Sometimes it changes our perspective, but we also don't get to pick what it changes. We believe Jesus or we don't. And I think you have to prepare for battle before the war starts. You can't walk out into the battlefield and then decide which armor you want to put on that day. And I think that is, as a Christian, as a believer in Christ, It is important to me that, man, when something comes up that's really hard, that I'm not shaken to my core, that I'm not, like, my foundation is solid. It also doesn't make the situation I'm going through any less hard. Yeah. It's still hard by the world standards we do have the hope and a promise of the God of the universe can snap his fingers and make it different. Yep. Yeah. You know, when I heard this podcast and if you've not listened to any podcast, we totally think you should. (laughs) All of them. All of them. (laughs) Um, I was especially struck last week listening to this one and I think I even texted you about it. Like Mm -hmm. the conversation that they had at the beginning of this episode between Amanda and Annie more so uh, just going back and forth about the year, everything that it's meant and what prayer and what they know about God now that they didn't before just every bit of it honestly wrecked me because I thought to myself, I actually thought back to when Jesus was on the cross, Mm -hmm. how easily he could have said like, take this cup like I don't want it anymore get me off this cross this is hard it's really hard it's painful I'm embarrassed I'm naked Mm -hmm. you know I'm bleeding make it stop and it would have stopped in an instant you know but he didn't do that you know and I think all the time I'm praying prayers like oh like right now I have strep and Mm -hmm. I'm sick and I'm praying God please make me get better you know (laughs) <laughs> and um yeah, for sure that's not 
that's not always what's going to happen. But one thing that I've learned from this is God still wants to hear from me. He wants to hear whatever I'm thinking. He already knows it. He just wants me to say it. And if it's, God, I am miserable right now. Please change the circumstance. Doesn't mean he's going to, but he still wants to hear from me. And I think that when we take away the power of prayer, we're crippling ourselves because Mm -hmm. God's actions and his will for us doesn't cripple prayer. Only we do. Yeah. Wow. And so I thought a lot about that when I heard this podcast. Seriously, if you haven't listened to it, you need to go. Plus, get she, yeah. get everything you can get from She Reads Truth because it's all amazing. But yes. um, yeah, it's just one of those things, though, that there's so many situations. We've talked about several in the past few days. Carlos Whitaker's daughter, Sohela, mm-hmm. you know, Ava Love. There's so many people that are suffering today, but that doesn't mean yeah. we stop praying. No. And it's like it's our lifeline. And if we treat it as an obligation and not the lifeline, not the air that we really need to breathe, mm-hmm. like you're not yeah. going to get it. Well, and I think I had a friend who she, for two summers, maybe more, but I know too for sure, she went and worked in an orphanage in Romania and was there like six to eight weeks. Like it wasn't just a cute one week mission trip. Right. And she, I will just remember her. I don't know if she told me this when she came back or if it was one of the times we actually talked while she was still over there, but it was just how every single situation they came up upon every day, they prayed first. Mm-hmm. And how many times here in America, I will ask 17 friends, I will Google it, I will go back and ask my sister and be like, are you sure this is what we think about that before I pray? Right. And I just like, we have it so, I have it so backwards. And man, like when Jesus left this earth and sent us the Holy Spirit, he said it would be better for us. Yeah. And I absolutely believe we, our prayer is what taps into that. Our prayer is what, that is our acknowledgement of being the Holy Spirit is here and the Holy Spirit is our helper. Why am I not going to ask him? Yeah. Why am I going to keep it and just try and figure this thing out on my own when I'm failing Time after time after time. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of the Christian faith and the Christian walk, we've talked about several situations. And our number one tweet today comes from Jeremy Cowart, which if you don't know Jeremy, you need to follow him. He um, is opening something called the Par- the Purpose Hotel in Nashville. And yes. we both are obsessed with their mission and just everything Jeremy puts out is amazing. But anyway, he tweeted this week, Hey, Marsha which is in reference to Marsha Blackburn, who is the female Republican senator from Tennessee. He said, as a native Nashvillian, (laughs) Christian, former Republican, and lifelong Tennessean, I got to speak up. Nearly everything Trump says and does is the literal opposite of the actions and instructions of Christ. Where is your integrity? 
So the backstory on this, for those that are not like super into the politics stuff, is um, Marsha Blackburn tweeted, um, a three-year coordinated effort has been underway to remove at real Donald Trump from office. Jesus warned us, watch out for the lawyers. So this is obviously talking about the impeachment inquiry into President Trump. And um, Mm -hmm. Senator Blackburn is somebody who has been a staunch supporter of the president when there's been a lot of times she could have not been. (laughs) And um, just as one quick point of reference, Jesus warned us, watch out for the lawyers that Marsha tweeted. That's actually not scripture. Um, That's actually from Shakespeare. So just, just to clarify. Just to clarify to my friends who are lawyers, Jesus is not warning us about you. So we're good. We're good. Services. We're good. Um, That's kind of my first note. But, you know, um, I think there's a lot of people who are asking these questions of political leaders and commentators. But honestly, even some uh, ministers and preachers of the Christian faith. you know, Franklin Graham is someone who obviously his father is Billy Graham, which I'm not sure there's a bigger name in Christianity besides maybe Jesus. Mm, um, yeah. That, um, yeah, that, you know, pretty That's synonymous fair. with the faith, but Franklin has been very uh, vocally supportive of the president and has called on the country to pray for him. And hey, here's the thing. Not about praying for people. We just had that conversation. Prayer is important. I do believe we should pray right. for our leaders. Right. We teach our three-year-old that. Mm-hmm. But maybe there's been some questionable things that have happened and some, um, you know, maybe some tweets from the president and actions and words and things that have just not settled well with some people who are also Christian. And so, you know, he says, where's your integrity? And... I get it. Again, to whom much is given, much is expected. These people have been elected to office to represent us. And in the highest houses of legislation, in the Senate, people like Marsha Blackburn, who are Christian women, who people really look to. And this is a hard time. It's a hard time to be a Christian today. It's a hard time to be a politician. But, um, you know, I, I get Jeremy's frustration. Um, and, you know, we were talking about John MacArthur earlier. He not only bashed Beth Moore, but he also bashed a woman named Paula White, who's one of the president's mm-hmm. um, pastors. And I get it. You know, his actions sometimes just rub wrong. And I think we're, mm-hmm. as a church, Big C, I think we're at a place today where we really have to manage both political stuff, but faith. And I don't think ever in history that's happened as much as it's happening today. Yeah. And again, with social media of, we just know more. Yeah. We have, we have access to what everyone thinks and says. And, you know, little 30 second clip of an interview that we weren't watching CNN or NBC or Fox news, but, now, oh my gosh, can you believe that person said that? Well, 15 minutes ago, yep, you didn't know who exactly. she was. Now, now you're well, judging yeah. her. and but, Yeah, you're the judge yeah. and jury. And yeah, I, yeah. I've thought a lot about that too. And with former politicians who've also made some very questionable 
moral and ethical decisions, but the country didn't know it. They didn't see it. It wasn't shoved down their throats Mm -hmm. in the 24-7 media cycle. So I don't know. It's a tough place to be. Um, But in better news, we have an exciting announcement to make. Let's hear it. I feel like we need a drum roll or something. Can well, you add that in? I mean, yeah. Let me, uh, good lord. I'll try to find one. Um, so, here at Tweets and Tonic, we've been totally blown away by all the support, subscribers, likes, follows, retweets, messages. Y'all are awesome. Thank you for listening. Um, but one of the things we've been doing is really paying attention to the things you like, things you don't like, what you want more of, stuff you never want us to talk about again completely understand um that being said right now the show drops every tuesday and thursday we cover a mashup of tweets just like today over all kinds Mm -hmm. of topics i mean from dolly Parton to donald trump come on all of them i mean all of them we miss nothing here at tweets (laughs) so i don't know if you knew this but did you know that every second on average around six thousand tweets are tweeted on twitter I did not know that. Also, have you ever tried to say tweets are tweeted on Twitter really fast? Because I almost <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm real proud of you right now. Because I almost had an accident. But, okay. <laughs> real um, proud. So, just to put that in perspective, that's 500 million tweets a day. Mm-mm. I mean, I know you don't even put the Twitter app on your phone. So, that's, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. But obviously, it's a little now funny. the people know. <laughs> so if y'all are tweeting Laura, please stop. Yeah, at LauraBestC85 does not check her Twitter accounts. <laughs> Probably where your future husband was, but I'm just saying, okay. Um, okay. Wow. Okay, okay, sorry. But, okay, so we know it's hard to keep up, and we're all busy. We're all like marathon runners in this rat race, but we wanted to do something to make you smile. So, That's right. starting this Friday, November 22nd, we're launching a brand new episode series of Tweets and Tonic that's going to come out every Friday, and just like in college, when you may or may not have been shutting down the bar with your friends, that Mm-mm. was not me, Mom. Was for sure not um, me. I was still judging people that did that. That's true. That's true. So, um, it's time for the last call. So, some of you may be thinking, oh good, more Mandy. Great. <laughs> You're going to quickly hit unsubscribe, but just wait one second before you do that. There's better news. Last call is not just last call. It's last call with Ellen and Mandy. That's right. Let's go. Our Carlson, right here on this podcast today, is going to be joining me every Friday. It's going to be quick. It'll be a fast episode. We're going to have a tweet of the week. And we're going to try to keep it lighthearted, not mm-hmm. so serious. And so you'll get that last strength of the week. You can kick back, have fun with your friends, LB and Mandy. So tune in every Friday. You can hear more and help you unwind. Going, going into that weekend with just a good time. That's right. All right. So thanks for joining me, Laura. I Super appreciate it. Excited to kick off the last call with you this week. Thank you. This was super fun. I'm pumped about Friday. All right. As we do with every episode, 
Today, we are highlighting the work of a company who we believe is doing good in the world. Today's company is Preemptive Love. Preemptive Love is a coalition stretching across Iraq, Syria, and the United States and beyond, working together to unmake violence and create the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible. Some of the things that Preemptive Love does is they help fast to stop the spread of war. They respond fast with relief on the front lines of conflict, food to help families survive, shelter to remake homes, and medicine to mend the war wounds left behind. They also provide help that lasts. They help to reduce the risk of war. They create jobs, providing capital for vulnerable families to start businesses. They help coach to get these businesses thriving and provide a connection to a global marketplace. They also work to help heal the past and change the ideas that lead to war. They're working to reach across enemy lines and creating a more diverse community of peacemakers on the planet to stop the next war before it starts. To check out more of their incredible work, please visit preemptivelove.org. Being engaged is a way of doing life, a way of living and loving. It's about going to extremes and expressing the bright hope that life offers us, a hope that makes us brave and expels darkness with light. That's what I want my life to be all about, full of abandon, whimsy, and in love. That is a quote from Bob Goff in his book, Love Does. And with that, we'll talk to you all on Thursday's episode, and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our content. Cheers, y'all, and go do some good. Music